This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige and engineering first. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hola, buenos dias. That's the full extent of my Spanish. Welcome to a juicy little edition of the world's best construction podcast, packed with some very good stuff this week, from desert skyscrapers to sinking cities, underground stadiums, and a mental little project down in Saudi Arabia. Helping me break it all down, analyze, and pretty much rant about it all are Liam Marsh and Luke Bly. You ready for this, lads? Big time, mate. Big time. I've got a bit of a croaky voice, but I am ready. Yes. Oh, yeah. Big night out. Yeah. Comic-Con on the weekend, wouldn't it, mate? And lots of things. And I've climbed like a mountain to get to a Star Wars set in Scotland last week. That was pretty good. Um, and uh, just bought a house as well. So Ooh. pretty busy. Blimey. It's gone through, mate. Yeah. Big weekend. It's taken ages, mate. And it's, yeah. that, that money leaving my bank account has like shattered my soul. There's yeah. something about something about it. <laughs> never coming back either, mate. <laughs> it's never coming back. Yeah. Used to it. Yeah, thanks, mate. So that's my life now for the next fifty years or whatever. It yeah, is. mate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Enjoy those. You're right, Liam. Um, you good, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I've got some a uh, little bit of news for you boys. I uh, I actually got engaged on the weekend. Oh, congratulations. That's huge yeah, news. Thanks, mate. Yeah. I thought I'd break it break the news to you on the podcast. Congratulations, yeah. Liam. That's a huge deal, mate. Thanks, mate. That is massive. Like wasn't, times. It, it wasn't you might want to record this is quite funny. It wasn't very romantic. I uh I was like, all right, we're gonna we're going out for lunch to this this nice restaurant that's opened up down the road. We got there for like two. And I had this plan. I was like, cool, get home at four. And then I'll make up some excuse. I'll go up the road and buy um, you know, some flowers and stuff. Anyway, so we're at lunch and Danny's like, oh, hey, my sister's going to pop around. I was like, well, today? She's like, yeah, she's going to be there in an hour. And her sister's got like 10 kids or something like that. Um, <laughs> so I was like, six. But there's a lot of them. Um, so I was sitting there and I was just like, oh, my God. Okay. And I was like, how long are they going to come around for? She's like, yeah, they'll be there for like, I don't know, half an hour. Anyway, two hours later, it's now like 6 p.m., they, they they leave. It was great. It's really nice having them in the house and things like that. And I was just really over it. So I just I just literally handed her the box. <laughs> I just said, yeah, do you want to get married? That's the most <laughs> unromantic thing ever. I was so, I was so over it. I was just like, oh, man, this is just dragging out. This is literally dragged out for five hours. I'm like, let's just, let's just get it done. Where, where were you again? What, just at home? Or? Yeah, at home, mate. Out, out in our, um, our garden. That's quite sweet. That is yeah, quite it was sweet. nice, mate. Yeah. You didn't just hand her the box, did I you? I did. I did. 
Did you get down on one knee? <laughs> I did halfway through it, yeah. I was, I was oh, thrown off. Okay. I had this plan and I was, I was just really thrown off. I was just like, oh. Yeah, um, but, it's yeah. every girl's dream, isn't it, right there. Just, uh, I, I've, never, <laughs> I've never lived... <laughs> I've never lived a day of my life as a woman, but I would imagine that just just getting it done and being past the box is every woman's dream of being engaged to a <laughs> lucky oh, girl. Mate. Yeah. Oh, amazing! It's set amazing. the precedent low, set the bar low from the outset for the rest of the homies. Yeah, you know yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, congratulations, Liam, and uh, good luck to your new wife. We'll, uh, we'll we'll check back in a few years' time. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful, mate. That is beautiful. Oh, congratulations, thanks, to mate, Mister Liam. Well done, mate. Well, Fred, <laughs> can you can you top either of those, mate? <laughs> can you top? <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. I'm mostly disappointed that Liam didn't marry me, really. But uh, but there you go. <laughs> um, it's you know it's not always good. Interesting, busy, lots of stuff going on. We've had construction story of the year final in Munich. Which we're going to chat about a little bit later on. So always jet set, always things happening. Um, and I've been watching. I've been watching Andor, obviously, Luke. I've been watching that on Disney Plus, which is absolutely incredible, and spotting some incredible bits of architecture from around the world appearing in that series, including the Barbican, which is now yeah. the Imperial City in in Andor. So yeah, I've been uh, yeah geeking out over that. But yeah, no, no, I can't top that. Basically, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Aren't you going to uh, you're going to New York as well, or New Orleans soon, right? Yeah, new something. Yes, New Orleans yeah. next week for uh, Groundbreak with Procore, which is going to be awesome. So yeah, I'm basically right. streaming, or downloading and streaming stuff, watching it on my phone in between flights and airport transfers and meetings, mm. podcasts, video recordings. Mate, that's Sometimes. the best best for flying. Downloading episodes from Netflix or Disney or whatever, and then just smashing them out over five or six hours. <laughs> yeah. So, coming your way this week, guys, we have got Egypt's super tall skyscraper in the desert, the problem with America's next mega city, the winner of Construction Story of the Year 2022 finally revealed, Saudi Arabia starting construction work on the line with some incredible drone footage, a new earth-sheltered stadium in China, and some of your comments from this week. Let's go. First up this week, we've got Egypt's super tall skyscraper in the desert. Bit of context for this one, because you, you need a bit of background as to why on earth they put, go and build a skyscraper in the middle of nowhere. Basically, Egypt is building a new capital city in the middle of the desert. So it's relocating from the current capital city, which you all know as Cairo, due to congestion and pollution, and building a whole new capital city called, I think it's called New Cairo, very unimaginatively, uh, in the desert on the outskirts of the city. So could be home to 6 million people when it's completed. Phase 1 is nearing completion after 7 years of work. There's all kinds of districts and new elements to it, which we'll go through in a minute. But basically, in the middle of it all is a 393-meter new skyscraper called the Iconic Tower. It topped out in August 2022, due to complete in 2023, and is now the tallest building in Africa. What do you guys make of this one? Um, I got I got thoughts. I got thoughts. Um, at face value, you got to look at this stuff and go, "Wow, this is pretty impressive." You know, like they they literally just went, "Yeah, middle of the desert. Let's build this massive city." Um, there's no two ways about it. It takes a lot of engineering, um, intelligence, a lot of planning. Um, 
and in a, in a lot of ways, you, I'm sure many countries, lot, lots of regions around the world look at a project like this and go, hey, we would love something like that to even be remotely feasible in, in our city or, or wherever. Um, but there's something about this city, mate, that just screams to me like so poor so mid and not poor as in financially poor just like oh it's just i find it a bit cringy it's Mm. like they've gone oh yeah let's just build this fat off city you know we've got traffic problems i know let's build another city a few miles away that you can only drive to Mm. it's got like a it's got like a milton keynes on sand vibe and it do you know what i mean it's just it's just very (laughs) custom built grids straightforward none of the culture none of the vibe just the culture there's yeah. no culture. It looks like when they've got a whole area that they're like, yeah, and uh, this is modelled on Paris. <clears throat> what? Yeah. Why are you doing that? It's so cheap. Did you? It's so cheap. Did you guys not get the vibe that it's a way for like the ruling class uh, to sort of separate itself from the poor, you know, for poor, say, commoners of Cairo, and then they actually they're actually making the people of Cairo actually fund this, you know, new mega city. Spot on. Uh, we're, we're only a few minutes in. I think you've hit the nail on that. <laughs> so I watched the video. I was like, "Oh, yep. They just, they just, they're just building this up a nice, beautiful flash city, and they're going to make the poor people pay for it, or like the commoners, like every everyday citizens, I suppose. Um, yeah. And they, they're just going to be over here, fifty kilometers away, and they're all good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mexico. Guys- Get Mexico to pay for it. Mexico is going to pay for the war. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fred, didn't you guys talk about? Do you talk about uh, the water shortage in this, or am I just thinking of like? Because I know there is a water so- shortage in Egypt. No, you don't, right? Well, no, you're, you're the Nile that with the next podcast episode, mate. <laughs> the the Nile, no, the Nile is like basically. If you look at the population of Egypt, it, they all live by the Nile, right? Like, and it's it's a big country geographically and with population, but there's a massive like dense population along the Nile and because of that there is like water issues okay and what they've done here is gone I know let's build a city in the desert like they've already got water issues and they're like nah let's build it further away from any sort of river any sort of natural spring it's just it seems like it's really not thought out gone. You look like you're about to correct me there. No, no, I think you've both absolutely gone straight to the heart of the issue and hit the nail on the head. Allegedly, <laughs> obviously, uh, for balance, the Egyptian <laughs> government would refute everything we've just said uh, and believe it's a good way to uh, bring down administration costs of the government. It's a good way to help cut pollution in Cairo, help mm. cut congestion in Cairo, all this sort of stuff. Now, whether or not that's true is obviously up for debate, but you're right, there's it does feel like they've kind of looked at Cairo, gone, oh my goodness me, there's too many issues here. Let's just relocate and build a different zone somewhere else. I think the average house price in this new city is going to be 16 times the average household income in Egypt generally. So, you know, it's there in the data. It does kind of underline the point that this is going to be quite a distinct zone from the rest of the city. Some of the stuff in it, there's a new government district. So the entire government of Egypt is relocating to this new government district to the tune of, I think, between 40 and $50 billion is the administrative costs of that move. I mean, goodness knows which removal men they're using, but uh, 
that that ain't cheap. There's then ten residential zones, including one modelled on Paris, which is which is what you want, isn't it, in the desert? A ninety thousand seat stadium, massive new financial district, which is where that new uh, super tall building is, Africa's tallest skyscraper. Uh, and I kid you not, there's a new military headquarters. You know, uh, Washington DC has the Pentagon, famously mm. the Pentagon military yeah. headquarters in Washington DC. Yeah. Well, Egypt is building the Octagon. There you go. Oh, it's Beat so them. dumb. It's so <laughs> dumb. It's so it's so just trash. Do you know what I mean? Like literally just saying, yeah, we're going to do the octagon, not the pentagon. And even like what do you think of the skyscraper? Like what what do they call it? The iconic tower or the landmark tower, right? The yeah, I don't think you can, you can't go and call it the iconic tower, can you? Unless it's actually iconic. I think it's it's a cool building. It looks very dramatic, rising in the middle of the desert like that. But iconic isn't a word that I would reach for to describe mm. that skyscraper. Sorry, lads. Yeah, I um, I've done a bit of research around this. Just after the video, we say um, what the skyscraper was built in record time or something like that, right? So allegedly. A lot of the um, construction companies are owned by the army, and apparently they use a lot of um, young constructs to build a lot of the construction projects at re- really low prices. Are you for real? Yeah. Are you joking? Yeah, no, I read it on um, Allegedly. Allegedly, I read allegedly. it. We've learned it's that from Fred. As, <laughs> sorry, I can I, say, any, I can say anything huge, as long as I say allegedly. No, you can't. No, you can't. You can't say a, when you say when you say you researched it, mate, did you? Was it Google? What I, do you I, mean? I, this is a, this is, we're making a very big. How do, how do you? Uh, yeah, but like you find information through Google. So yeah, I use Google, and yeah, I okay, read it okay. on multiple okay. Um, okay. established okay. news websites. Sorry, cut, cut what I'm saying here, Ireland. I think let's keep in. No, I think leave that in there. It's just Quite a funny. big, it's a very big allocation. <laughs> it's, it's great. But yep, it's makes not, sense, like, it's not um, a million miles away, is it, from what you could imagine? But let's be honest, you know, it's not like yeah. you've said that. I'm not like super surprised by it. I'm like, oh, wow, that's shocking. But if if I were to hear it, it'd it been done in. in a lot of other countries, I probably would go, oh, wow, I'm surprised at that. But with Egypt, if I'm being honest, I'm not surprised. Their, their current is, I believe, president. I don't know if it's a prime minister or a president, whatever the um, leader, world leader is with over in Egypt. Um, they were a former general, right? They're elected after the Arab Spring, I think, and they've remained in power. And I think that's one of, there, there is like a lot of political background in this project um and i think this government like a lot of governments in the world they want to leave their mark on the country and how a lot of people do that how a lot of countries do that or regimes do that is through building huge mega projects right and this is clearly like a massive mega project but with that tower fred with the iconic tower whatever they're calling it it just doesn't even look egyptian it looks like one of the towers from Abu Dhabi, you know, there's those like four skyscrapers in Abu Dhabi. It's like one of those and it's been stretched slightly and it doesn't look North African. It doesn't look Egyptian. It just looks like a generic skyscraper that's been designed by a European. That's all it looks like. 
I know what you mean. I think there are elements of the forms and detailing that do nod to Egyptian architecture in some ways, but it doesn't really go far enough to be instantly recognisable. I do, I do agree with you on that. I think right. the the point we're making about labour practices and stuff and efficiency, it's worth saying Egypt has a strategic partnership with China, and this new city, New Cairo, is part of China's wider Belt and Road Initiative to basically increase or well, an ease trade and economic growth between china and europe slash the rest of the world uh and chinese construction companies are involved in the construction of these projects some of the practices and techniques they use involve hiring uh some types of labor that are more efficient to use on construction sites i'm trying to be as diplomatic as i can here uh and that's why that's where some of this efficiency comes from so yeah you're right some of the issues we're talking about here it's it, that's the case we're talking about mm. uh projects that are built with a very different culture and set of standards to those that we experience in the west yeah do you, do you think it looks good like the whole project what what, what do you think would would you want to visit it like do, can you visit it, it can you visit it well like in the future people, i mean no but can people openly go there and walk around it's not like gated or anything like that is it <laughs> Not North so I'm, I'm being serious. I, 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 I couldn't actually find any information about it. Well, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah no, you, can, you can turn up. It's a, it's a, it'll be an open city. You can turn up and walk <laughs> around. I probably wouldn't suggest you going, Liam, after some of the stuff you've said on this podcast. But, uh, you might, they might not take kindly to your arriving. I probably won't go myself. I'd be interested to go and, like, walk around and see it and just kind of experience it and just kind of see for myself is. Does it feel like what it looks like in the footage and the renders, you know? Um, does it work as a city? I guess it probably doesn't, but then it's early. You know, it could be a day to give it a chance. It might it might get somewhere, but it's got a long way to go to compete with the millennia of culture around Cairo. Yeah. Did you, did you find some of the renders, um, the architecture was sort of reminiscent of the pharaohs and sort of that pyramid-style architecture? Yeah, I found that throughout. I, I I saw that and I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. When that when they did it and when it was well executed, or well in the render anyway, um, I thought, yeah, that's that's what they need. Yeah. Right. They need awesome. to be Yeah, it looked fantastic. You know, you need to be doing a lot of architectural nods to, you know, Egypt, to the Pharaohs, to Islam, whatever. And um yeah, I don't I, it's just some of the buildings did it. Some of the other projects were like, yeah, that could be that could be anywhere, mm-hmm. and um, maybe maybe even myself, like maybe I'm being a bit hypocritical because I might look at a tower in like Singapore or something like we talked about in a recent podcast. Like, oh, that's beautiful, but it's, you know, does it look like it's from that part of the world, or does it just look like a a, a sort of globalist looking? And I mean that in like the architectural sense, looking structure. Um, but here, I don't know when, when, when you're making this much of a big deal, when you're literally making a city from scratch, um, I think like, it's, it's not that like we deserve more, we're not Egyptians, but I feel like the people who are going to live there at least, or the people of Egypt, like deserve more, right. Than just mimicked stuff, cheap mimicked stuff, Paris. It's the whole like yeah, this this little part of the city that's going to be pa- like a little Paris, and they they said yeah, that's where the luxury people are going to want to go. Do you really think like people with a lot of money are going to go to the fake Paris and go yeah, this is nice, this is a bit of me? No, why would they do that? They can go to Paris. 
I don't get what? it. What is it with Paris? Like they, they've rebuilt it in Vegas. They've rebuilt it in that uh, weird dystopian copycat town in China. They're doing another Parisian district here. Like, what? Why is it just go to Paris? Yeah, it's, it's so annoying. Paris is so overrated, man. <laughs> think? I think it is anyway. Yeah, wow. Paris is over. I like Paris, but it is overrated. Like, what, 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 what makes it overrated? I think architecturally, once you've seen a few streets, you've seen them all because it was literally designed by one guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you're seeing this like same old, same old vernacular. I guess like I I look at this and kind of always try and look for the positives, and I think yeah, the intent behind this to ease congestion, cut pollution, I think it it will have that impact. It will reduce some of those issues in Cairo, but I kind of. It's kind of quite sad in a way. It's almost like they've looked at the city and gone, do you know what? This is so far gone. It's better for us to go and build something new somewhere else and just start again. You know, I think on other, when other cities, as we've talked about on this podcast and on the B1M and Tomorrow's Build many times, are doing so much to try and cut traffic, plant trees, increase cycle paths, pedestrians, build sustainably. There's so much opportunity and optimism in the world. This just feels like a bit of a cop-out. Mm. Is there any public transport being included? I didn't see any. I believe, I believe there is. Yes, there's a new metro system being built uh, as part of it. I think. Uh, okay. And like the engineering is impressive. The fact they can go and build as as a construction story, the fact they can go and build a new city in the middle of a desert and a super tall skyscraper basically on sand with this incredible raft foundation system and concrete core that we talk about in the, in yeah, the videos cool. in detail. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. But that's kind of where it ends because the construction practices behind it don't really align with the values of many Western cultures. It's being built by China, as we've said, with some practices that aren't aren't great, to be honest. And the whole kind of principle of it is just a bit... It's like a custom-built city that I'm not sure is going to work when they could have really put all this time, money, and effort into sorting out Cairo. In this proposal, I don't think I saw much, if at all, mixed-use development. And they're saying one of the reasons why we want to like build this new city is because of traffic, right? That's one of the reasons and dense population in, in Cairo. And so they're saying, yeah, all right, let's build a city, a new city where you have to drive everywhere. Like, I know you've just mentioned the public transport, but come on, they're building like these massive yeah. motorways and stuff. It, it's it's yeah. clearly like a little Dubai. And it's like, yeah, you, you who's, who's going to want to walk to work? No one, because it's like a few miles away from... So you're going to have more – it's like you're not learning. You've not actually got the right people in to think and use their head and go, do you know what? This is this is maybe a bit stupid. Or it's not because of that. It's because actually the people that are going to be living there, they are going to be super rich. They are going to be super wealthy. And they don't care. This is just a massive vanity project. And mm. we're seeing so many of these. And I think it gives away a little bit of like – the, the true attitude, the true, true feeling of uh, government, of like the construction in that country. And for me, mate, this ain't it. This ain't it. I'm sorry. I think I, they're, they're meant to be building another skyscraper there, right? Like an, an Egyptian ob- obelisk, which is meant to be like the tallest building in the world at some point. And I, I was like, at least that's uh, Egyptian-y, right? Kind of. I was like, that's pretty cool, but I suppose, but I don't know, mate. This all just seems a bit like Dubai 
2.5 i don't know yeah as i said my takeaway from it is kind of it's just a little bit sad in a way i think this is this country this is a country that's arguably got some of the greatest culture if not the greatest culture in the world you know it was 100 years ago this month that tutankhamun's tomb was discovered and there's some of the history and artifacts and that is just absolutely incredible ancient egypt is fascinating the heritage of this country is fascinating but for its next chapter to be this is just a bit like oh Mm. yeah Mm. take take the impressive feat of engineering the multi-billion dollar new city in the desert aside and it's a bit dystopian let us know what you think guys would you visit new cairo what do you make of this send your emails podcast at the b1m.com So from one troubled city to another, we are going to Miami, as Will Smith would say, although I probably should stop talking about Will Smith since he slapped some of the Oscars and was generally cancelled from the world. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is Miami. So Miami is going through a skyscraper boom due to its growing population. The place has been dubbed the Wall Street of the South, basically because a lot of financial firms are relocating there, taxes are lower, the weather's better, frankly, uh, and some of the political system there better aligns with some of these businesses' objectives. So there's a there's a growing population uh, in in Miami. Part that's been driven by COVID as well. So the city I think has some of the least restrictive COVID restrictions, some of the laxest COVID restrictions in the country. So it saw a bit of an influx of people during the pandemic. But this city's incredible growth and skyscraper boom is all happening amid climate change and rising sea levels with Miami's position on the coastline, placing it at pretty extreme risk. It's kind of on the front line of America's rising sea levels and climate crisis. What do you guys make of this? Party in the city where the heat is on, as Will Smith would say. (laughs) Or not. Uh, Yeah, or not, yeah. I went to Miami in uh, earlier this year, April, May, and I was really impressed. I was really, really impressed by the city. There's a lot of, like, history there. I loved the sort of, like, Cuban culture in particular, but there's lots of different um, nationalities and cultures there. The food was good. The weather's, like, really, really hot. Like, really, really hot. And uh, there's loads of skyscrapers. There's loads of construction. It was it was a really cool city. And I went to the design district as well. That's it. That was something that was really, really cool. That's kind of like a old warehouses that have been turned into like high-end fashion and design houses yeah it, really really cool really cool place um but it felt a bit like a city that had just popped up in the last few years and i, I suppose that's kind of what it is uh it's like yeah people have just kind of picked miami as a place where there's good weather Let's build some condos there. Let's build some really nice houses there because people will live there when, you know, it's winter up north in New York or Boston, wherever. And um, it did feel a bit disjointed. And like a lot of American cities, sadly, if you were to take a cab or just drive like a few blocks, you know, east, west, north, it was a completely different city, completely different environment. Um but yeah, it's it's an impressive city. Have you have you been? I have a long time ago, but you're right, there's a lot of there's a lot of development happening right now, there's a lot of change happening right now. To give you a flavour, a whole plate of new super tall skyscrapers rising across the city, joining some other famous ones already there, including that cracking one thousand museum designed by Zaha Deed, one of my favourite buildings by her. 
Uh, we've got one Brickle City Centre rising 317 metres. That's going to be an office building. One Bayfront Plaza, 320 metres, also an office building. 888 Brickle Avenue. You get in the theme here with the addresses of these buildings. That's going to rise 319 metres and be mostly residential. But then the kind of the biggest, most impressive one of all, well, not the biggest, but the most impressive one of all is the Waldorf Astoria and Residences, 100 storeys, 317 metres, mixed-use, hotel, residential. Some pretty incredible renders for that, these kind of stacked glass boxes going up into the sky. These are the tallest buildings outside of New York on the East Coast. The city is now becoming a new sort of skyscraper hub outside of New York on the East Coast. Mm. Mm. Some impressive stuff going up, lots happening. But, yeah, not the best place we're building right now, in case you haven't looked at the sea. The Wardorf Hotel looks absolutely beautiful. It looks so... Do you guys think it looks just like classic Miami? I think one of the one of the images we show, it's like an infinity pool with, like, lounges just overlooking the water. I've never been to a Miami, but that's what I imagine Miami looks like. It looks really, really cool. Looks really cool. It does look. I've I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it looks like a uh, really similar to a skyscraper in Moscow. Oh yeah, there's a skyscraper in Moscow that looks the exact same to this. Do you know it the one does. I'm talking about? I know the one you mean. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, the stacked boxes. It's just stacked boxes. Yeah, but I do think it's pretty. Um, it's pretty well executed here. The Miami one, and it's a bit. It's way taller than the one in 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 Moscow. Did, am I right in thinking like? You've kind of got, historically speaking, you've got the skyscraper hubs of, of the US, right? You've got New York and you've got Chicago. Historically, they've been that. And when you go there, there's always new towers popping up and stuff. And then you've kind of got the like mid-tier skyscraper cities. You might consider, I don't know, like San Francisco, LA, um, Houston, wherever, right? Miami... I feel like if you were to get a list of like how many tall buildings they've got, they've got to be near the top of that list now. Maybe even third. Do you know what I mean? Like they're they're almost in that Chicago, New York category where they're just throwing up these high rises. Yeah, absolutely. But I think this kind of goes to the heart of the problem with development and construction being driven by money all the time. You know, mm. there's an influx of people. There's high demand for people to come and live in Miami because the COVID restrictions are lax and the tax laws are lax. So hey, that's drawing everyone down there. And then and yeah, and the weather's great. Throw that in. As a British guy, the weather's great. I can understand that. I can relate to that. But there's all kinds of issues with it. You know, sea levels are expected to rise 79 centimeters by 2060. That's going to flood many areas of Miami. The, 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 now there's, there's this thing around climate gentrification where areas of land that are on higher ground are becoming more valuable and more attractive to developers because they won't flood. But those areas tend to be the more deprived areas of the city. So now there's bigger, high-end, you know, richer developers moving in, displacing working-class people, poorer people, and building new developments in those spaces so they can capitalise on a good bit of land. And it's just, you know, there was a conversation, I, I, there was a, a guy I know who is a climate change expert who works on the ground in Miami. And he was saying, you know, he's, he's had a lot of abuse and hate from real estate developers who were like, can you just stop talking about the sea levels because you're making it really hard for us to sell flats, properties and buildings on this land. And it's like, do you have any idea, guys? You're, you're trying to capitalize and make a buck today on land that's going to be underwater in a few years time. It's, yeah. it's the epitome of greed over common sense. Mm. Yeah, there was a bit of that. There were, there, sorry, Liam, go on, mate. 
No, mate. No, I was just going to say you, you can see that from the comments as well on the on the actual video. Uh, a lot of people that live in Miami saying it floods all the time, and and someone mentioned something about a uh, a Miami King Miami King tide that happens a couple of times a year. I think it's from September till November, and it's oh, I saw that. yeah, and it the, the saying it typically lasts for about three hours, and it just comes in and just floods everything, and then goes back out. Ah, highest predicted high tide of the year. Right, okay. So it's kind of like the longest day, but with water, I suppose. <laughs> so yeah, man. I don't want to make a joke of it, but that's kind of like how I immediately... But with flooding and destruction <laughs> and devastation to your home and business. Yeah. It does make you think. It does make you think, like, hang on, guys. Like, you're building all this stuff, and, you know... Oh, yeah. If you just Google image that, what is it called? Miami King Tide. Yeah, yeah. There's like just cars driving around in the in the flood. Mm. Yeah, it does seem just again like. But underlining the problem, Miami Beach yeah. sits 1.2 meters above sea level, right? So a 79 centimeter rise in sea levels is going to be a bit of a problem for Miami Beach, probably, especially if there's storm surges or, or big big tides. Little Haiti sits 2.1 meters above sea level. Now, in 2012, the average house price in Little Haiti was $99,600. Today, in 10 years, the price has gone up to $414,000 because oh of its word. position above sea level. Thanks to uh, Zillow for the data for the data on that. But you know that that's what I'm talking about. This is a, a formerly you know poorer, deprived neighborhood, nowhere near as glitzy and expensive as Miami Beach where people are now being forced out, land's being acquired, they're being pushed out of the way to make room for developments that are going to be out of the way of the sea. I mean, and to be honest, that's the intelligent developers. The other ones are all still building on the prime real estate to make some money today on land that's going to be underwater in a few years' time. That's mad, isn't it? Mm. That is mad. I know Florida's known for its like crazy weather. You know, like You could go there in uh, lots of times during the year and it'll be like sunshine, be- beautiful day, Hour later, it's a thunderstorm. Hour after that, back to being a beautiful day. It is. It is a bit like hormonal, maybe. Um, but when we're not, when we were in Florida earlier this year, um, we noticed so loads of people in Orlando who had um, moved out of Miami, like they'd lived in Miami their whole life, they'd grown up there, and they said, "Yeah, it's just not worth it. It's like we've been priced out of the neighborhoods where I actually were from." And for me to live in a different part of town, it felt like I was moving into a different city anyway. So we might as well go live in Orlando where there's less of this kind of like flooding issue. I mean, they still get like crazy weather up there too. But I I think Orlando is definitely pushing itself to be kind of the second choice to Miami in in that, well, mid-Florida anyway, Miami, South Florida. But yeah, you get the idea. It's like a road trip up there. There's work up there. It doesn't flood every few weeks or whatever it is in miami there's a lot of pros right i don't know yeah miami miami is now the most rent burdened city in america so it had the second biggest sort of florida as a state had the second biggest population increase in the u.s in 2021 rents in miami climbed 45.8 percent over the last year and renters there now spend 60 percent of their income paying for their housing and those price increases are pushing people further out into the suburbs or further up north in the state to places like uh, Orlando and other places like that, Tampa. Magic Kingdom, mate. Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom. (laughs) 
where all your dreams come true. (laughs) Just move into Disneyland and forget the world. I look, I know people that do that, man. Well, I don't know them personally, but I've seen them on the internet. They're like, yeah, right, I'm just going to go live in Orlando. I'm going to go mm. buy a house in Orlando and live in Disney. Don't don't you guys think that that's just a pretty common trend in most cities around the world, though? That a lot of the, yes. a lot of the people that grow up there, locals, things like that, are priced out of the city center, London, Sydney, New yes. York, no doubt. The, the massive, the massive yeah. wealth inequality in our societies is playing out in the distinction between our inner cities, where everything's booming, developers are making loads of money, no one can afford a place to live, and rural communities, formerly industrialized communities, who are being left behind, or people who are being pushed out of their cities. I guess the mm. good thing about Miami is the people who've all built there are going to be underwater in a few years' time, so <laughs> serves them right. There was a few Atlantis jokes about Miami in the <laughs> comments. I, I noticed that and it's like, wow. Yeah. But that is, that is, that is a problem. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really hard one to juggle. Do you know what I mean? Like there are parts of London that have been redeveloped and, or, or gentrified, regenerated, whatever words or expression you want to say that were horrible places to live. Like, even if you live there, even if you're like, oh, I grew up it, yeah, but they weren't nice places. Do you know what I mean? Like, people might have been saying the same about back-to-backs back in London, Birmingham, Manchester, where families were all, like, crammed in together. I think there's probably a bit of nostalgia there. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was a better time back then. It's like, yeah, but was it? <laughs> was it actually better? Or has this given a lot of improvement to the area? But there is also the caveat to that being that there are families and Londoners being completely priced out of being Londoners anymore. And I think that is so stupid. That is so stupid. There's a distinction between regeneration, which is a a good thing, regenerating deprived areas, former Dockland areas, wastelands. That's a good thing. Gentrification is where those areas are, are progressing in a way where a lot more money comes in and they only really they only really benefit rich people yeah. and that's what yeah. takes away the heart of our cities i don't I, i'm completely on board with the principle obviously because it's kind of an established economic uh, force that i can't control or change anyway but the principle of you know developers responding to demands and building properties skyscrapers new housing estates that service that demand with high-end flats that's fine. They're completely within their rights to make that. But if we have a system in our democracies where that's all we build in our cities, so the inner the inner city of London, New York, Miami, wherever, is only expensive flats for the super wealthy, the super rich. What's left? What becomes the heart of our yeah. cities? If we don't yeah. create some, at least some spaces where people can live, we get that variety of people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different mm-hmm. you know classes that. That is to the detriment of our cities. And I don't always, I, I, I think places like even, and this, this is happening, like you said, uh, Liam, like this is happening in every city, whether you're in Sydney or like London or New York, wherever, Miami. Um, but I did notice, at, at least when you go to London, right, like in Central, it's still like a massive mix, right, because the public transport's good. You can just like nip into Central, do your shopping in Oxford Street or wherever, and you're mingling with millionaires. You're literally mingling amongst millionaires, and you could be the poorest of the poor and still be in Central, right? In Miami, I I, I didn't get that vibe. I, I thought things were still quite segregated. 
it was harder to get around unless you you know were spending money on ubers or lifts or whatever or drove but driving can be a bit crazy there um and again this is where public transport comes into it doesn't it and how in america it's not always done that well i don't know i don't know yeah (laughs) i see it <laughs> I've, I've I've said too much about Miami, so someone else someone else say something. Uh, yeah, Liam, weren't you going to say about the height restriction? Mate? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I was just waiting for you guys to stop talking. To be honest, no. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Well, someone commented, um, which I which I found pretty interesting because just looking at obviously our video and all the details, the the height um, of all the skyscrapers being built. So someone said. The buildings that you see currently in Miami are about the tallest that will ever be due to the FFA setting the height limit to 1,049 feet due to the airport being in such close proximity. So the, the, the people of the city, I suppose developers, have tried to up the limit, but the FAA has been very strict and not allowed them to do it. I find that quite interesting. The Run Brickle Tower is 1,040 feet. So it's just off it, and and those other two ones are a couple of meters higher than that. So they're very close to that that limit. There's a similar problem in London with London City Airport and Heathrow yeah. Airport, where we're kind of reaching the peak. We're, well, we have reached kind of the max height of skyscrapers, and what happens, particularly you see it in Docklands, uh, Canary Wharf, is when you have loads of skyscrapers going up, and I noticed it in Miami in Miami too. Instead of having a skyline that does like up and down and almost creates an iconic silhouette, instead what you're getting is just a mountain. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You're getting like a table mountain in South Africa. It's just a big, tall, you know, rectangle on the, on on the skyline. It's not actually. I noticed that a bit in Miami. Yeah, the um, when they were building Twenty Two Bishops Gate in London, my mate was um, one of the project managers on it, and he was saying with the the crane, the crane on the very top of the building, I think it was only like five or one meter under the um, height restrictions for, for for flying over London. Oh wow! Super tight. Same deal. Same deal down in uh, Melbourne, the new southbound by Buda Tower. I think the height was adjusted at some point. There was a negotiation with the airport, but anyway, it's skyscrapers in Melbourne are dictated by how close the airport is to the city and how tall you can build. Mm. But Miami airport is like, it feels like it's in the city. If you just like look at it on a map, it is just there's suburbs all around it. It's not like it's at just outside the city and you can like link in or something, you know, it's in the city. Yeah. And uh, again, I think that's because they didn't plan on Miami being this super massive international city that it is mm. becoming but mm. the infrastructure just isn't there. I felt I felt the same about San Diego Airport. That was super close. That is super close to the city. It's like a 10, 10 15 minute drive and you're in you're in town. We're at the hotel. It's crazy, right? It's so convenient. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so I love it. Yeah. There's nothing worse than oh, I've got to get a taxi for like an hour. You know what I mean? Or I've got to get a train. <laughs> like there when I left that. when I was over for work in, in London recently, um, there was um, tube strikes, so it took me like an hour and a half on the train to get to, to get to the airport. I was like, "Oh, I'll book a driver," and I was just like, "Well, I'm not, I'm not paying that much." And it's like a two-hour drive, you know what I mean? So, wow, convenience is key for airports to, to city access, in your opinion? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
for balance. Yeah. For balance. <laughs> well, let us know what you think about the little skyscraper boom down in Miami, guys. Do you live there? Are you a resident of the city? What do you think of the new buildings being built? What do you think of this uh, climate gentrification stuff? Let us know. Get your emails, messages, and comments coming in. Best way to reach us is via email podcast at b1m.com. Also, in the news this week, guys, we have got the winner of Construction Story of the Year 2022 finally revealed. We unveiled that at a very special event in Munich, Germany last night over at Nemenschek's global headquarters. Nemenschek are our sponsor for Construction Story of the Year 2022. It was awesome to see this kind of come to a head and be announced at last. We've really, really enjoyed running this uh, campaign this year, running this awards program. Worth saying, the UK has had three prime ministers since we started, since we opened, en- <laughs> since we opened entries and announced a winner. We've had uh, two monarchs and three PMs. So. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There you go. There you go. But I think yeah, the whole reason behind why we did this, why we did it, construction story of the year, not just another construction awards program, is. You know, as as you guys probably know from watching the videos and, and working on the B1M and stuff, stories are like the main ways, one of the main ways that human beings communicate is how we remember things, it's how we exchange information, it's how we convince others of the case for something. And I think in today's very busy, overloaded, fast-paced, social media-driven, 24-hour news cycle world, world uh, stories cut through more effectively than ever. So with Construction Story of the Year, we set out not just to celebrate the industry's specific achievements, but its stories. And we went looking for something that could really capture the best of the industry, become shareable, engaging, debatable, and help it kind of reach beyond, you know, reach other people outside the sector and inspire and engage them as well. So from our three mm-hmm. finalists, we've had ISA, the International Thermonuclear Reactor down in the south of France, that incredible construction project down there. We had the University of Manchester's graphene team and some of their... Um, colleagues as well working together to apply graphene for the first time in real world construction projects uh, and also terraced house a sorry terrace house a low-cost uh eco eco-friendly housing system that was built by austin Maynard architects down in melbourne australia so three really good finalists selected from a long list of 19 that i think all together really speaks to the breadth and variety of work the construction industry does and also like all the st- oh yeah, all the stuff we cover from energy infrastructure to material innovation to housing. Yeah, this industry touches so much of our lives. So yeah, mm. really pleased with the finalists. So we got to the point where we finally announced the winner, as I said, last night in Munich, Germany. You ready for this, guys? Yeah, go you on. You sitting down? Yeah. You braced? Yes, I am. Ready for the roll? place any bets? Um, <laughs> we should have a drum roll. We should have a drum roll. Yeah. Right, we're going to have bets for the winners? Yep. I'll, I'll put you some money down. I'm not winning. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a fair idea who wins. <laughs> I, think, I think I know who should win. It's graphene. Graphene, you reckon should. Yeah. I think who should win is the uh, train station in Nairobi where they integrate <laughs> a lovely pets at home. <laughs> Pets at home and farm foods into the complex. Because <laughs> they're... Gets all, my vote. Yeah, they're all screaming for that in Kenya. Is what I've heard. Mm. So, if that wasn't in the list, by the way, Fred, I'm really disappointed. And I'm it, didn't gonna, make, um, it didn't make the final shortlist, I'm afraid, mate. It wasn't up there. Mm. It wasn't up there. But anyway, mm. we've uh, 
after after sharing, we basically created short videos on those three finalists, put them out across the platform. We got your guys' feedback, your input was fantastic. Loads of comments, likes, and shares. Loads of kind of input on what you thought should be construction story of the year. We took that back, had a meeting with our judging panel, and arrived at the winner, which was announced in Germany last night. It was ISA, the International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor. An absolutely epic construction project that I think really speaks to the best of this industry. And what the judges were particularly impressed with is that, you know, at a time of such conflict and division, construction story of the year 2022, they felt should go to this team who are pulling together experts from 35 different nations to collaborate and positively work together on something that could potentially change Mm. the future of this planet. And the stuff they're doing there, the engineering, the working practices, the forms of contract, the digital collaboration, the collaboration between countries, between cultures, is already starting to permeate down through this industry. And I think holding it up and celebrating as Construction Story of the Year is 100% the right thing to do. It's a very deserved winner. Yeah, and it was fantastic to talk to a member of their team last night on stage, and uh, we're looking forward to celebrating them throughout the rest of the year. So, yeah, you happy with the winner? I am. For sure. I, I think they definitely deserve to win it. What are your mm. thoughts, Luke? Yeah, they're all right. They're all right. Are you going to buy them a pint? Nairobi gonna... train station, mate. <laughs> Nairobi train station all the way. Yeah, they're all right, mate. They're all right. Uh, Fred's going to buy them a pint or a, or a, or a stein. stein? Big stein. Yeah. <laughs> stein and a chicken snitty. Oh, no, mate. Yes, mate. Stein and a chicken snitty. Congratulations oh, yes. on being named the best construction projects, best construction story of the year, twenty twenty two. Here's a here's a beer and a chicken schnitzel. Schnitty, <laughs> you're welcome, lads. Schnitty. <laughs> no, it's huge. It's huge. Congrats to those guys. And like yeah. you said, it's a it's a big deal. It's a really really big deal. So tremendous. So I want to say a big thank you to our judges as well because it was uh, it was really great to have their input. We brought together some phenomenal experts from across the industry and a lot of diversity of perspectives and points of view that I think really introduced a lot of challenge into the judging process and really helped make this or well, bring a lot of integrity to the award really and help help us choose the right story. So big thanks to Professor Jackie Glass, who's Vice Dean of Research, the Bartlett at UCL in London. Uh, Yuandi Akinola, MBE, who's obviously TV presenter uh, and engineer. Salah Eckhart from Microsoft. Maria Lehman, who's now on President Joe Biden's Infrastructure Advisory Council. I think she's the vice chair of Joe Biden's uh, Infrastructure Advisory Council and the president of the American Society of Civil Engineers. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Don Jacob, who's VP of Technology and Innovation in the Build and Construct Division at Nemanchek. And then the sixth judge was a bit of a letdown, really. Fred Mills, founder of B1M, but he was kind of there just to just to run the Zoom call, really. So, well done, mate. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks for your outstanding contribution, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> no one, no one starts a Zoom meeting quite like you, mate. <laughs> also, in the news this week: a pretty big story that blew up just about everywhere across the B1M, including on TikTok, where we amassed. 16 million views on a TikTok video in 24 hours. Goodness knows what happened over there. Saudi Arabia has actually started building the line and some renders, not some renders, some some drone footage has appeared alongside the renders that's basically showing them building this thing that they've drawn 
in in their minds, which is absolutely crazy and mental as we've <laughs> talked about. It's happening. There's a strip being built in the desert. Drone footage has unveiled it. What do you guys make of this? It's happening, right? Seems yeah. to be, mate. Seems to be. I know there's a lot of controversy around it, and I know Luke's pretty pretty passionate about this. <laughs> but if they can build it, I'm so keen to see the finished result. If they can really yeah. pull it off and and finish it, it'd be pretty amazing. Like the the feat of engineering is like insane. Yeah, I w- there's I'd no go doubt. Visit it. I'd go visit it. Yeah, yeah. They, they, at least this is more original than like the new administrative capital <laughs> the nac in egypt the nac yeah the knack the knack in, in, <laughs> egypt hey you want to go for some drinks at the knack yeah or natch if depends on your pronunciation how you want to use that c you know but like i think yeah i got thoughts on this line um but if if I if I try not be if I try to be a bit more balanced about it, it is it is impressive, isn't it? It is impressive, and if they can do it, man, I just feel like it, you know, would I put twenty p on this not finishing? Yes, I would. Like I think it's like the Jeddah Tower all over again. Like Saudi were like, yeah, we're going to build the world's tallest building. It's like what halfway built, or even not not even that. I don't know, and it's just sitting there in the middle of the desert doing nothing. Um, Saudi, I think, have almost at the moment historically they have this reputation for saying they'll do something. They got these like designs, and it doesn't happen, doesn't finish. Um, I don't know. You're such yeah. a hater, Luke. Mm. All the haters yeah. are saying it's not. Gonna I'm moaning finish. a lot on this, and I this this episode, but <laughs> yeah. I don't mind that. I think moaning's good. I come yeah. at it. I, I, I come at it with like men. <laughs> peak men. of moaning. Like <laughs> I come at it with a bit of optimism. I'm like it. It could. I think. I think they. I think they're going to do it. There's. There's this. The work is happening. They're building it. They're dreaming big. I know the Jeddah Tower didn't work. They haven't got a great track record, but. They seem to be pushing on with this Neom thing and this Neom thing, this massive city in the desert. And uh, <laughs> and the line is now is now happening. It's early days. You know, they've cleared a strip of well, a strip, a massive foundation trench by the looks of it for the line. Mm. Um I I think wait and see. Yeah, no, you're right. You are right. It'd be so. in, it'll be interesting to document it over the years mm. to see the actual pro- progress. I mean, we'll, you'll soon find out if it's gonna be finished or not. They, they haven't put out like an official um, finish uh, completion date, have they? Do you know? No, no. Nah, see, Saul, marketing spiel, mate. Where's the <laughs> airport going to go? Where's the airport going to go? Like, how are people going to get here? You know, like, what? How's it going to work? Ah, oh, come on, come on. Isn't there a train? There's going to be a big train line <laughs> across the country as well. Uh, there's a train line within the line. I don't know about being yeah. built to it. Okay. There's no. There's nothing out there about that yet. As I said, loads and loads of engagement on this across our social media channels and website over the last week. Uh, I think, yeah, I said 16 million views on TikTok. 22,000 comments just on TikTok alone. Over 400 comments on LinkedIn. 500 comments on Instagram. This is this is somewhat blown up, guys. Thanks for your thanks for your unsolicited feedback that's been coming in in uh, in mountains. Just to give you a flavour, I'm just going through the very top star Instagram comment list here. I mean, it goes like this. 
What I want to know is how much they'll have to spend annually for the dead bird cleanup alongside both sides of this thing, because it's obviously mirrored and guys worried about birds flying into it. Uh, so this is really happening, question mark, question mark. Oh, God, poor birds. These kind of projects threaten bird migrations. Love the channel, hate Saudi Authority. Waste of time, money, resources. No wonder our beautiful planet is struggling so much. Uh, it goes on and on. Success or failure, in both cases, it'll be delicious dystopia. <laughs> All kinds of, uh, yeah, lots and lots of stuff. There, there are so many people saying, oh, it's a waste of time, waste of money, waste of resources. Um, and the capability of Saudi Arabia is like a lot bigger. It's like when we're talking about the Winter Olympics thing, you know, you're like, oh, mate, they could be doing And you could probably say the same about all countries, you know, they're spending money on this, this and this. They could be putting their money into a lot better things, renewable energies, all that sort of thing. But I do think a bit like what Liam said earlier, like if they do build this, there is sort of a, you, you won't be able to deny the the just how ridiculous it looks and how impressive it is. And if they actually build it, hey, maybe they could be on something. Maybe it is a more sensible way to live than urban sprawl. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe stuff like Miami, you know, we're talking about flooding. We're to, we, all these things we're talking about, like with Cairo, their new city, at least, and again, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Maybe this is a solution. Maybe this is a lesson that a lot of places could, could, could l- essentially learn from. Maybe this is a more efficient way of living, of having a society. Um, but it's just funny seeing everyone's comments about it. Like on LinkedIn, on TikTok, on Instagram. And you could almost see like the differences between all the different platforms. Do you know what I mean? Like all the depending on the platform, people have got like kind of different opinions a little bit. But yeah, I've never seen yeah. such a fast visceral reaction to a social media post. I mean, like, I think it was my most successful tweet. Ever. I, I popped it out on Twitter, put my phone down, and ate my dinner. I came back to it and my phone had just exploded. <laughs> like it was it was crazy. Lots and lots of people just just could not believe what was going on. It was like dropping a bit of meat into a into a piranha tank. Just the water just foamed straight away. <laughs> also, we've got a sweeping new stadium over in China that's been partly built into the ground, kind of using an earth sheltering technique. This is pretty dramatic looking. Designed by MAD Architects, MAD Architects, one of my favourites. Uh, 30,000 seat venue, very nice looking. It's got all sorts of ancillary stuff to it. And the way they've kind of set the build up and the edges of the stadium into, into the ground, into planted hills and stuff, is very dramatic. They then sort of created these circular openings around it that create these very dramatic light wells where natural light falls down into these concrete moulded caverns where... Things like the access to the seating is, the toilets, the bar, the you know, ancillary services, is what the architects would say. Uh, I like it. I think it's very dramatic. It's nice looking. There, I'm nailing my colours to the masts. Are you guys going to agree with me? I like it. I, I agree. I, I agree with a lot of what you just said, Fred. I do think the side where it's um, got a lot of the grass and a lot of the holes, it kind of reminds me of a little bit like a, a like a golf course, kind of like a few sand bunkers. <laughs> And things like that spotted around it, um, yeah. but I still I still really like it. I think the the interior of it looks fantastic as well with the, all the concrete, um, nice and open, heaps of light. Exactly what you want in a stadium. 
the, the golf course thing <laughs> is bang on. I've been trying to put my finger on it, and, and you just absolutely nailed it. Like, there's right. this beautiful sweeping grass sort of hills and banks with big sort of gaping holes in it and places to let light in that look like bunkers. And, uh, yeah, these architects have built this beautiful stadium in China. I know, I can guarantee you in a few years' time there'll be some England fans going over for some kind of match. They'll be like, whoa, you want to play a game of golf on Sunday? <laughs> Get on, we want a real lad. You I'm couldn't sure, make this. I'm sure the British will come over and uh, ruin it. Ruin any culture you might have. Well, there we go. <laughs> it looks to me like, um, yeah, well, for starters, that wouldn't last like five minutes, would it, in like Europe? In just Europe, that would be like West Ham that, would, that would be destroyed, mate. That would be absolutely destroyed. <laughs> to me, mate, it looks like Teletubby Land. <laughs> it? Actually, looks like Teletubby Land. I'm, you know, it's um, but it is, it is impressive. It is a really, really impressive. I don't know if it's quite like you know. I don't know if I'm going to give it the gorgeous inside, like you know, like the inside the hills is really, really cool. Um. I can't help but it doesn't look natural. You know, they're kind of going for this natural hilly look, but it doesn't. You can tell it's artificial. And then on the inside, I do have a big criticism of the design. And um, it's that there's a lot of wasted space inside. Have you noticed? When you look at the inside, right, where you actually sit, that you've got the running track, and then beyond the running track, you've got even more space that's just sitting there doing nothing. So if you are there to watch a football game, you're like a mile away from the pitch. You're not you're not even slightly close to where the action's going down. And that is that is I see that in in some modern mixed use stadiums. Um and the the opposite to this would be like the new Tottenham Hotspur stadium. It is you are like right in the action. Do you know what I mean? You get a seat near the front or wherever in the stadium, you still feel like you're really close to the pitch. Here, not so much. I don't know. But it is it is a really cool looking project. It's really, really beautiful. Oh, yeah, I really like it. I think it's different. It's fresh. It really responds to the surrounding area and the surrounding landscape well. It tries to minimise its impact. What, what, but, uh, what surrounding landscape? <laughs> it, it, the, the surrounding <laughs> hills and mountains. Like it, it, it tries to limit its impact on the city as much as the stadium can do. But I mean, you called it, this is MOD Architects. I'm the leading architect in the world. Mad Teletubby architect. Land, mate. You've called it Teletubby <laughs> Land. It's not, it not Tottenham, is it? You're close to the pitch of Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> Teletubby Land. I'm such an old, old man. man. I'm, I'm becoming such an old man. Oh, well, I've said it now. Just, just want to go down Tottenham. Don't fancy, don't fancy this dramatic new stadium in China. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of another episode. Pretty, pretty uh, interesting this week. We've definitely uh, taken apart some of the world's biggest construction projects and displayed our verdict. Let us know what you thought, guys. What do you think of Egypt's new super tall skyscraper in the desert? Would you go to Miami? What do you make of the problem with America's next mega city? Tell us if you thought the right project won the construction story of the year. What do you make of Saudi Arabia actually building the line uh, and China's new elf? Elf. <laughs> you put, you've put Teletubby land in my head. China's new Teletubby stadium. Let us know what you think about it, guys. We've done like this episode, haven't we? We've, uh, we've covered a lot of stuff and uh, been pretty brutal to all of it, really. Yeah, I feel like I'm, um, I'm going to be really hated by a lot of people here. He's, like, he's an uneducated imbecile who doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> this is my best advice. You call it Teletubby Land. What is this yeah. about? Yeah. They're not, they're not that, that's, just, that's just Fred. That's just Fred. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> messaging me after this, being yeah. like, you need to tone it down, mate. You need to calm down. No, I'm, you know, I'm usually pretty positive about stuff, but I thought, you know, if where criticism's due, you know, you criticise. Come on. Oh, dear. What an episode. What a decapitation of the built environment industry. Uh, let us know what you thought of this, guys. Podcast at com, and we will see you next week. Next week.